What is going on, movie lovers? Welcome back to the 190th edition of No Content for Old Men. This is the podcast where every week I give you reviews of the latest movies and some streaming suggestions for your weekend. As always, I'm your host, Matt Craig. Thank you so much for listening. And this week, we've got another indie hit for you. It's Emily the Criminal, which I have now put inside my top 10 movies of the year. And I suggest you find a way to see it. I think it's coming to Hulu after it's in theaters. Uh, I'll explain why it's good and why you should watch it. Plus, we're going to be talking about the HBO prequel, of course, House of the Dragon. And as always, uh, some streaming suggestions for your weekend. Before we get started, I I really want to... uh, let you know that you can get in touch with me on Twitter at Mr. Matt Craig or through my newsletter at mattcraig.substack.com. I've had a couple of suggestions actually come through in the past few weeks, and I can't wait to get around to them whenever I find time. They will be reviewed on the show. I promise. I promise. I just have to get to them. Uh, so thanks for sending those in. Send some more in. Or if you watch any of the movies that I suggest this week, let me know what you think of them. Again, at Mr. Matt Craig on Twitter or through the newsletter at mattcraig.substack.com. Call it serendipity. The same week, President Biden announced $10,000 in student loan debt forgiveness. We get a movie that shows what extreme depths that debt can drag someone to. The titular Emily in Emily the Criminal doesn't start out a criminal, of course. She's just a down-on-her-luck 20-something with a mountain of debt and a dead-end job. Like early episodes of Breaking Bad, each decision she makes is one that the viewer can empathize with, rationalize, likely even agree with. Next thing you know, she's gone full Heisenberg. The movie certainly has designs on making a social statement about the crushing weight of the economic system currently on young people. And aside from the yeah, me too aspect of things, I found it refreshing to see some other motivating factor for our main characters other than the usuals, being a bad dad, having a bad dad, or, as in the previous example, cancer. In that way, Emily is not your usual anti-hero. She's honestly kind of a mess of a human being, constantly makes poor decisions, and doesn't really treat others well, and that's before she starts committing an escalating series of crimes. So the thesis is pretty simple, yet bleak. Money and respect can be had for this millennial generation, if and only if it's pried from someone's fingers by force. It's a testament to the charisma of Aubrey Plaza that we as viewers continue to root for Emily through all of this. Quietly, Plaza has become something akin to what Steve Buscemi was in the 1990s, which is to say the coolest indie actor on the planet. She's appeared as the star in an impressive slate of small-budget films. Ingrid Goes West, Safety Not Guaranteed, an evening with Beverly Loughlin, happiest season, and her star is only ascending. Next year, she'll be the star in season two of Emily of Emmy Darling, The White Lotus, and be a co-star in the passion project of one Mr. Francis Ford Coppola. In this, she's note perfect and gets to really display the full range of emotions within this character, who is at times vulnerable, at times intimidating, at times crazy, and at times charming as hell. One wouldn't dare call this a de-glam play for prestige recognition from the comically inclined plaza, because she is both funny in the role and in a handful of scenes quite glammed up. 
it's honestly just one of the best performances I've seen this year. While the social commentary of the movie is juicy, one job interview scene where Emily refuses the offer of an unpaid internship will be burned into my memory for a long, long time. The essence of the movie is actually a stripped-down neo-noir. The world is bleak. The gender-swapped femme fatale is a mysterious small-time scammer played by Theo Rossi. And in the end, there's a big bag of money that everyone's gunning for. Like any good noir... No good deed goes unpunished. It's my kind of movie. The big hang-up with most independent movies is that they use all their good ideas in the first half, to the first half of the script. But here, the movie's tension and pacing only ratchets up as it progresses until it reaches a very real fever pitch. The two movies that came to mind while watching it were the Safdie brothers' Good Time for the anxiety-inducing escalation of action and Kajillionaire for the movie's focus on small-time thievery and everyday life rather than some highly stylized heist. The ability to excel on an unflashy canvas like this has me very excited for what debut writer-director John Patton Ford will do next. Personally, I wouldn't be too upset if it was another old-school neo-noir thriller like this one, which slots easily into my top 10 movies of the year. Every week, I give you something new, something old, and something to stream. This week, something new is House of the Dragon on HBO. Of course it is. Nothing on the silver screen this week was more cinematic or blockbustery than the new Game of Thrones prequel, which debuted last Sunday. The original show was so many things to so many people that following it up was always going to be a gargantuan task. But this new show's quality was also going to be secondary to the management of the franchise. And in that, it certainly succeeded. There's dragons, epic string music, palace intrigue, violence, nudity, and all those familiar elements that will make the show the most talked about thing in pop culture for the next several weeks. That said, holy moly did they burn through a lot of plot in one episode. My hope is that the burdensome pilot did a lot of the hard work to set up a more reasonably paced season, but in my mind, I cannot help, you know, but think about the final two seasons of Game of Thrones when the show pushed its plot machine into hyperspeed and lost the nuance that made it special. On the other hand, if you are looking for truly special TV on HBO, the latest season of Industry, and especially this last week's episode, were incredible. This week, Something Old is from 1999, and it's called Go. Here's a great way to find new movies to watch. Pick out a movie that you love, then find out something else the director has done, or the writer, or the star. In that regard, I've failed as a cinephile for never before seeing Go, which was Doug Lyman's follow-up to Swingers, one of my all-time favorite movies, and just before he did The Bourne Identity. And for what it's worth, the writer of this movie, John August, is also the host of an excellent podcast I listen to. The movie plays a lot of similar notes as Swingers, which is certainly isn't a bad thing. It follows the lives of post-grad kids in L.A. working crappy jobs during the day and going on epic adventures at night. 
up to and including a spontaneous trip to Las Vegas, just like in Swingers. The plot follows the fallout of a small-time drug deal gone bad, retelling the crazy night from four overlapping perspectives. And, just like its predecessor, this movie discovered some impossibly young future stars. Katie Holmes, Timothy Oliphant, Tay Diggs, and in one scene, even Melissa McCarthy. It wasn't as good as the two movies it's sandwiched between, but when you find a director you like, you tend to enjoy their style in just about anything, and everything. Doug Lyman is one of those guys for me. He also did Mr. and Mrs. Smith and Edge of Tomorrow, and... If any of those movies sound good or you like them, check the rest of his catalog out. This week's Something to Stream is on HBO Max. It's The Book of Eli. I got a little nostalgic this week for the era of cable TV movies when you'd flip around the channels and randomly get sucked into a movie that you'd never heard of midway through. That's how I got introduced to this post-apocalyptic thriller starring Denzel Washington, and subsequently, it became the movie that would always rope me in no matter what scene I was starting it from. You guys remember that viral TikTok about the stages of a dad watching a movie on a weekday? First he's like watching from across the room, then he's he's got one hand on the couch and he's watching a little closer, then he's on the couch watching it but going through papers. That was always uh, me and also my dad uh, whenever this movie came on TV. Denzel plays a blind traveler slash prophet who carries with him a mysterious book that only he can read because it's in Braille. Mila Kunis ends up playing his traveling companion and Gary Oldman, the big bad. It's sort of like a Mad Max Fury Road meets the Fallout video game franchise where marauders roam a wasteland fighting over resources. But each scene is super dramatic and way more stylish than it needs to be for a straight-ahead popcorn flick. Plus, the movie's twist ending hits on the first, fifth, or fiftieth viewing. Alright guys, that's going to do it for this week's show. As always, thank you so much for listening. You can get in touch with me once again at Mr. Matt Craig on Twitter or through my newsletter at mattcraig.substack.com. As always, that's where you can check out this week's trailer watch, which I think is for what looks to be an awards juggernaut. I'm calling it right now. It's going to be a Best Picture nominee for sure, written and directed by Sam Mendes and uh, starring Olivia Coleman, who is the new Meryl Streep, at least in the Academy's eyes. Um, for this next week upcoming We've got, speaking of Mad Max Fury Road, the director of that, George Miller, his new movie, 3,000 Years of Longing, and also, uh, speaking of Denzel Washington, (laughs) the movie Breaking, uh, which I don't know if you remember it, but I had it as trailer watch a couple of weeks ago, where John Boyega is literally doing like a Denzel Washington impression uh, in this movie, and it's kind of like a dog day afternoon bank heist sort of thing, so... Uh, I'm going to be seeing both of those in theaters this week, Breaking and 3,000 Years of Longing, and we'll be talking about them next Friday. But until then, guys, I guess I'll see you at the movies.